When I think of leadership, it's simply influence by example through service. Because the example that I believe is of the greatest influence is a leader who chooses to serve. That in people's perceptions about what leadership is, oftentimes it's that you reach the pinnacle in whatever grouping or organization that you're a part of. And if you are the leader, one of the perks is that you get served. But the kingdom of God is is opposite. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. For me, to lead means to influence. There's got to be some form of influence. And the reality is, is that we are being influenced all of the time. The question is, is what are we being influenced by? And who are we being influenced by? And who are, who are we then being intentional to bring influence to? By example, through our service. And we want to work with a group of people that really is about ensuring we have the right values and culture. We have the right heart that we always see people as being the true treasure. People are always the most important thing that we're a part of. We're not trying to build something that is um, an accomplishment at a surface level. We're trying to build something that is deep within, that is ultimately about people and their lives in relationship to Jesus and them growing in that love with Jesus and with others. What we want to work with um, as the shepherds or the pastors in this community is who are the people that are actually gifted by God to work together to equip the body of Christ, to be built up and to make a difference. And, And Ephesians 4 is really what I'm making reference to. Ephesians 4 speaks of oftentimes termed as the five-fold ministry. It says that um, Jesus himself gifted to the church apostles. And if you look in the Amplified Bible, what I like about the Amplified is that it actually gives you a little bit of breakdown as to what the um, the definitions are. Um, he gave apostles, which essentially were special messengers or representatives. Often they were the ones going. There was a, a going uh, mission about the apostle. Oftentimes, they were the ones that would break new ground, go into new territory, um, pioneer new things, carrying a very specific leadership responsibility or mantle. The prophets in the Amplified says that they're the ones who are speaking a new message of God to the people. And so the, the prophets were ones who were really sensitive and attuned um, and gifted to bring a message to the people that the people needed to hear. So we've got apostles, uh, we've got prophets, we've got evangelists, and those are the ones who really are gifted to bring the gospel to people who are disconnected from God, away from Jesus, lost, and have this gifted ability to open people's hearts, uh, challenge people's minds, um, connect at a relational level that allows them to be receptive to the gospel. And then you have the last gifting, which, which can be broken into two parts, but actually a lot of people say it's, it's more one role than two separate roles. You have pastor, teacher. So that's where the five-fold comes in, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But actually 
that past a teacher one can be argued that actually it's 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 one role in its description, past a teacher. And that that past a teacher really is about shepherding. And I like that word shepherding in the context of of even leadership, because it speaks of service, it speaks of um care, it speaks of concern, it speaks of personal responsibility. A role we carry is to really be observant to who the people are around us that God is bringing into our space that carry these gifts that are to be then used together in a team dynamic that are all about building the church. Equipping the saints is what the Bible tells us. It's about building the church up that the church might be all that God intends it to be. I want to put it before all of us um, to be sensitive to it in our own lives, to be uh, seeking God for it in our own lives, because God wants to give gifts. He loves his church. He wants to see his church built up. And if we can actually create a, a group of people that operate very succinctly out of those ministry gifts, our church and, and we all will be in such a better place for it. So I want you to stoke that fire. I want you to consider, okay, where is a gifting for me? Am I gifted in this? And it's not that these gifts make any one person more special than another person. So it mentions that um, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastor, teacher, to, to equip the church. So there's going to be some that wouldn't necessarily carry these gifts. There might even be some in this room right now that don't necessarily carry these gifts. That doesn't make that person any less because we believe that the Spirit of God gifts people in a range of things. There's motivational gifts. There's gifts of healing. There's gifts of tongues. There's gifts of interpretation. There's, there's all sorts of things. Gifts of administration. There's a whole range of gifts. But in the context of leading, Tam and I are obviously observant and mindful and, and trusting God that he's going to bring about the right people. And so we want to see that really spoken into, invested into, uh, practiced, acted out. And so who knows what God might do in that context for us. But just three thoughts. You know how much I have a love-hate relationship with running. So I thought, why not draw a few lessons from, from my running journey just to share when it comes to really speaking into a leadership group of people. Um, I would say I only started really running when I turned 40. I had this whole thing about being the fittest I'd ever been at 40. There's a block where Tam's parents live is, is where we were staying. I struggled to run around that block, which would have been two kilometers. So that that was like my goal. Let me just get around this block. I genuinely did not like it. Genuinely. I, I, I would go for a run and I'd come back and, and I didn't enjoy it. Like there was nothing about it that I had any joy in it. I, I felt like every time I ran, I struggled. Like it was just a fight every time I ran. And, and I didn't feel like I was seeing any progress. And, and now I'm starting to run with other people that are running like at certain paces. And, and now I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm not seeing any progress. Then I start hearing about a concept in endurance running or in training, which speaks to, um, running according to your heart rate. It's, you know, heart rate running. And then Don, the, the generous chap that he is, who actually hooked me up with a GPS watch, which I needed. And then he got me a heart rate monitor. The heart rate monitor was a game changer for me for running. The lesson that I take from that is that when it comes to us and church and life, 
we should only run at the pace that the condition of our heart allows. I was, I was fighting constantly the condition of my heart. I was, uh, was overrunning my heart rate. I was pushing myself too far. I was, I was exhausting myself. I was not enjoying it. The pain was significant. Um, but when you, when you run according to a heart rate monitor, you have this incredible parameter. I'm running slower, but I'm running more mileage than I've ever run before. And I'm running more frequently. So the fact that I've actually slowed down and found a pace that was relative to the condition of my heart has actually allowed me greater growth than if I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And so we're mindful as to the condition of our heart as a church. And it is always to ensure, and it's, it's, I'm not saying we didn't get this right all the way, but to be sensitive to the condition of the heart of our church, which then sets the pace for our church. And so when it comes to you in your individual lives, take that as an opportunity to consider, okay, what pace am I running at? What pace can I be running at? There's something in it. And the Bible speaks very, very clearly in Proverbs chapter four. It says, above all else, verse 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything flows from it. Everything flows from it. And when I think about the heart, I'm I'm talking about like the inner person, right? In Philippians chapter 4, it says this again about um, guarding your heart. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so for me, if we're going to talk about guarding our hearts or uh, ensuring that we're giving the condition of our heart, the priority that it requires, that we can run at a pace that is healthy but also sees progress and growth, it's so clear that it all comes back to our relationship with Jesus. It comes back to that very simple yet profound relational dynamic that we have with Christ. Ultimately, it is the peace of God, Prince of Peace, Jesus, which will guard our heart. And so run at the pace that the condition of your heart allows. It actually brings incredible growth. The other thing that I've, I've learned, I run up the hill from Dunkirk towards like uh, Tiffany's. I'll then take a right and I'll go past Brettonwood. And at certain times of the day, because of all the traffic backs up, you can literally run past cars and you can look straight into the car and see who's driving. And I'm so aware that I might be running at the pace of my heart, okay? So, which is fairly slow. I then think to myself, there's going to be people that are seeing me (laughs) run. And I'm telling you now, my pace increases. And it's not good for me. But there's something about my pride that causes me now to push beyond. The next lesson from that, which is actually, it comes from one of my favorite book books that I've read. It's a book title, a guy called Ryan Holiday. Uh, he's not a faith uh, writer or author. He might have his own faith. He's very philosophical. He's written a book. It's simply titled Ego is the Enemy. Ego, what we would note in our Christian Biblical worldview is pride. Okay. 
pride is the enemy. And it even tells us that God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. In James 4, it says in verse 6, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Pride for me is strife, struggle, sweat, frustration, burnout. That's pride. Grace by humility is trust, freedom, favor, ease, flow. And it's available for us. And so ego is the enemy. Pride is the enemy. You think about it in the context of leadership. You think about it in the context of responsibility in our church. We run at the pace that the condition of our heart allows. And ego, pride, is the enemy. I would love for people to say of us, if, if we had to narrow down like a leadership team and then have somebody else come in and observe how we operated and how we interacted and who we were, I would love for them to say, this team is so humble. That for me is such a huge quality. So ego is the enemy. And then lastly, um, I want us to have an urgency, but I don't want us to be in a rush. The mornings in our household, which I'm going to put my hand up straight away and say, I do not help in these situations. It's definitely a lesson that I am constantly learning. Um, But it's amazing when you start rushing, how everything escalates, right? Like tensions escalate, uh, tone escalates, friction escalates. You start missing things. You start losing things. You're not thinking in a clear, creative manner anymore. Urgency speaks of living with intent. Urgency speaks of understanding the times in which we live, understanding that the incredible privilege we have to carry a message which is ultimately about seeing people's lives being saved. There's an urgency about it. We would know that there are people who are lost. We would know that there are people who may be lost for eternity. And it's not to exaggerate those things to bring hyperbole into it to now cause fear, but it's actually to say, as believers in Christ, there is to be an urgency about us. But let's not be in a rush. You know, like even when it comes to uh, the, the classic example, actually this room, it's, it's quite good because we've got Christian here who really carries responsibility for that coffee. Mark's involved in that kitchen area. And this year, I can only imagine how busy that kitchen area has been because we've had such a great start to the year from an attendance perspective. Now, that's not the only benchmark that we would say we're having a great year, but it's just, it's, it's been full. There's nice momentum. There's new faces. So I can imagine that kitchen, you know, it, it gets busy and there's things going on. We all know that if we're rushing, it's not a good place to be. Um, I think about these guys in, in creative and setting up in the mornings and then getting rehearsals going. And we would know that when we start rushing, it, it, it changes the atmosphere, it changes the vibe, it changes the tensions and, and, I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact that there's going to be moments of tension. I'm not naive to the fact that there's going to be some conflict that takes place. You know what? Conflict for me is not a bad thing. It's actually quite a healthy sign of human dynamics. It's how the, how, how the conflict gets dealt with it, how things are being resolved and how we treat each other in those moments, which is very important. So we want to be urgent. We want to be urgent in our faith. We want to be urgent in our purpose, but we don't want to be rushing. Um, Ecclesiastes 3 says it like this. There is a season, a time appointed for everything. It speaks into understanding the seasons and understanding the the, the sovereignty of God. And and, um, 
you know, there are times where, yes, we need to press in and yes, we need to, to hold on. But at the end of the day, we want to live by grace. And grace is God at work. Matthew 11, I love it how Jesus says this. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You know, urgency walks in the unforced rhythms of grace. Rush gets into that pride realm, gets into that tension realm. And so we want to ensure that we come from a place of health, a place of inner strength, a place of inner well-being, a place of inner health. And so we want to run at the pace that the condition of our heart allows. Um, ego is the enemy. Pride is the enemy. And let's be urgent, but let's not rush.